just occurred to me while I was praying. I was just so thankful that you can come from one side of the world to the other side of the world and just feel so at home. And, and I firmly believe that simply because uh, of the God that we share and the faith that we share. And, and uh, we've loved being a part of uh, your church over the past 10 weeks. We've met a lot of you. Haven't missed meeting many of you too, unfortunately. Um, but it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm excited about getting to share the Word of God with you this morning. Um, if like Jackie, if nothing else, I hope you enjoy hearing the sound of someone without an accent. Uh, we think you've got a great accent. Um, and, uh, but hopefully we'll uh, get, well not get something, well hopefully we'll get a lot out of this uh, chunk of scripture that we're looking at this morning because it's a great, it's a great section of scripture and, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to sharing what I believe God has placed on my heart to, 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 to present. And uh, I'm not a pastor back home in Australia. Uh, I'm a paramedic. Uh, that's how I fill my days. Um, still sort of into saving lives, I guess, uh, just from a slightly different angle. Um, but uh, my dad's a uh, dad was a pastor for 40 years, and uh, I think I've got the genetics or something, and sort of just uh, really love the chance to share the word of God. And and uh, thanks, Grace, for doing a great job of reading before. Um, as you know, we're, I just want to get stuck straight into it because I'm really worried I'm going to blow the time out this morning, um, and I just want to have you guys out of here before 12. And so. Look, if I don't see anyone doing this, I'm just going to keep going, okay? So if you want me to stop, you've got to start looking bored, big yawns, you know, tapping the watch, looking for the exits, uh, and otherwise I'm just going to keep blazing because um, I'm excited about this passage. I want to quickly pray, though, before we get going. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, all that we can learn from it about the life uh, that you you want for us about the saviour you sent for us and uh, lord i pray that as as i speak this morning that uh, i just be giving your words to this congregation and uh, that as a result of it our lives and our relationship with you might be deeper i pray this in your name amen i have a bad tendency to speak fast if you're having trouble with my accent bad luck uh because it's not because I'm nervous. I've got a lot to say in a short time. So, so, uh, so I'm a bit of a quick speaker. Try and bear with me. Uh, I really love this chunk of scripture because to me, when we look at our lives as Christians, uh, and, and even if you're a non-Christian today, looking at this scripture and looking at church, looking at faith, uh, there's an awful lot to learn no matter which way you come from it. And a uh, firm believer that uh, all scripture is God-breathed and useful. Every verse in here is here for a reason. And it's a great thing to have a pastor like Pastor Niall who preaches through books of the Bible uh, because it's all here for a reason. So I want to today just pick apart this, this chunk of scripture verse by verse and try and see what uh, we can learn from it and how we can apply it to our lives. Verse... Uh, Verse uh, 16 is where we're starting. Uh, my translation might be a little bit different, but that doesn't matter. Um, 
Uh, so I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. As we know, Paul's writing to the Galatians, uh, and uh, they're sort of getting some things right with their church. They're sort of getting some things wrong. And what is, well, as Pastor Noel talked about last week, they're coming out of living under Old Testament law. You know, the Jewish people had something like 600 rules or laws that they lived under. And uh, it's just this, this huge, almost like burden that encompassed their life uh, to, in order to live out their faith. And they're coming out from this into the new covenant. Jesus has come. Jesus has died. He's risen again. Everything has changed. And they're having trouble giving up the old and trouble getting used to or get, even learning the new. And that's what Paul's almost job and the job of the new church is saying, all right, we're moving past this old stuff and moving on. Again, Pastor and I talked about it, so I don't want it to take too much time. But and so straight away, it's, you're living to your new life. It's new life in the Holy Spirit. We get it now. Okay, We might have been 2,000 years from the, this period of time, but when we come to know Christ in whatever our journey takes us there, or however our journey takes us there, we end up coming in to a new life. We give up the old and we start with the new. So Paul's saying, we're going to live according to this new life. <clears throat> that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit. This is a real quick thing that we, you know, that we learn early on. Okay? What we want, what the world wants, is not what God wants. Not even close. Exact opposite. Poles apart. We can't get further. Okay? World's way right down there. God's way right over here. Poles apart. Uh, two-year-olds can tell you that one. It's a very simple, basic thing of our faith. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is opposite from what the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. When we are living as a non-Christian, before we know Christ, we are living by our old sinful nature. That's what comes natural to us. That's what's in us. There's no goodness in us. We are sinful. We are sinful to the core. That is our nature. That's what comes to us naturally. The only reason we have good in us, the only reason we may show good in our life is as a result of the Spirit giving us desires for those things. Okay? All the goodness in our life, all the things that are pure, that we love, they are from God. They're not from us. It's not in there somewhere. We are not naturally good. It's one of the things that the world seems to love to tell us, that, oh, you really are a nice person. No, you're not. You really are a sinner. Okay? The only thing that makes us good and the only thing that enables us to be good, to show love and peace and kindness and other things we're going to hear about is that God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us a desire, gives us an ability for that because that is not our nature. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. You've only got to be a Christian for five minutes to know that suddenly this isn't easy. I want to go this way. I naturally tend to go this way. I don't like it. But that's just the way I naturally want to go. 
I don't need the world to drag me that way. I can pretty much get there on my own. Okay, we like to blame the world, but really we don't need to blame them. We can just sort of look at ourselves and say, yeah, this is the way I want to go in life. Okay, except for the Holy Spirit and his work. That's what gives us the chance to turn and to work towards him. It's a constant battle, a constant fight. Those of us who have been, well, I've, only, I've been a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 15, so I'm coming in on 25 years now. Uh, but I'm sure I could speak to anyone who's been a Christian for double that amount of time. I have no doubt that they still struggle with this every day. It is a constant fight. It's sort of, in some ways, you think, oh, man, is that what I've got to look forward to? You know, <laughs> just another 25 years of trying to get this right. Uh, and if you look at it that way, it's not going to be a fun 25 years or whatever God gives you. It's a constant fight that we have and we are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. That is the good news, folks. The bad news and the hard news to hear is sometimes, man, we've got 25, 50 more years of this constant fight of wanting to do evil and naturally going that way, feeling guilty about it, needing to repent from it. That's the hard slog and the you know, sort of the bad news. But the good news, the good news is that we are no longer subject to the law. At least we have that going for us. Because that's a pretty, pretty good thing. I'm excited about it anyway. Uh, because I know that, okay, it doesn't matter. At least I'm not subject to the law. If I mess up, it's okay. Christ has already died for that sin. And Christ is trying to, and the Holy Spirit are trying to draw me back in. That's a good news. This is where I really want to pick up and get going uh, and looking a bit closer. When the following the desire, sorry, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is verse 19, your lives will produce these evil results, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Looking at this list here, Paul's rattled off a list. Now, it's, it's, if you, you, I really love Paul's, well, the way Paul talks. He's just straight at it. You know, He just tells it how it is. You look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, you it, you know, he lists all these things. You only have to flick over a few pages. Ephesians, you can go into Romans. Paul's just constantly telling people the same thing over and over again. These things that he lists, this, this sin, these, these results of our sinful nature, he just goes over and over them in all the different books because all the different books are letters to different people groups. And if he was here today, he would have you know, the letter to Three Lakes. Wisconsin. It wouldn't look all that different to the letter of Warrigal, Australia, where I'm from. Okay? This list is probably just as applicable to you and me on opposite sides of the world as it was to the people of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Like you read this thing and think, wow, not much has changed. 
You know, we think society's advanced a whole lot in 2,000 years. Look at the list Paul's just made, and he's just rattled off today. In America, today in Australia, we've got the same list. And he repeats it over and again and again in the Bible. And I sort of think, if he keeps repeating it, you sort of think, maybe I should listen to it and take notice. I'm looking a bit harder. We'll take this, we'll take this list. We can divide it into four sections. When you follow the desires of your heart, there's sort of four basic chunks of things our sinful nature can come out. When we follow or allow, we don't even have to follow it deliberately. I mean, many of us do choose to follow it deliberately. Some, because it's, well, let's face it, sin's enjoyable a lot of the time. We wouldn't do it if it didn't actually feel good every now and then. Okay? If we really be really honest... That's what it can be. Sometimes we choose to go this way. Sometimes we just drift this way because it's our natural desire. Whichever it is for you, our sinful nature turns up in our life in four different ways. The first one's through sexual immorality. Now, this is a topic we don't like to deal with as Christians. It can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can be a bit embarrassing, a bit awkward. It can be a bit close to the heart. It can hurt. We can leave it out of our discussions because it makes us feel awkward or embarrassed, like I said. Worse is we can leave it out of our churches because people not like, like us talking about this topic. We can leave it out of our homes because, oh, we don't want the kids to know about this or to hear about this. Okay? We leave it out of our small groups. We don't deal with it in our life. Folks, this is a topic he goes over and over. He lists it the most, almost, uh, probably almost the most related in this uh, chunk. It comes out in life in sexual immorality. The word Paul used in the Greek when writing this text is pornea. That's what the sin. It's not a specific sin. It's, a, it's more of a category or a generalization. And pornea is obviously the, where we get our word pornography or pornographic from. And in today's word, what pornea looks like is magazines, videos, literature, websites, anything of a nature that involves sexual, uh, sexual topics that just lead to uh, sex being viewed in any other way that God provided it as a gift for those of us who are married. Okay. Again, it's not just the things we look at, it can, it's actions, it's, it's sex outside of marriage, it's homosexuality, it's, it's uh, inappropriate relationships. It might not be the physical, just the physical, but it's, it's conversations we have, it, it's you know, the, the emails we may exchange, the texts we may send, whatever it might be. If it's of an... Uh, Anything to do with sex outside of marriage is not what God designed. Any, anything. And, I mean, we've just come from... We were in Las Vegas a couple of months ago. I mean, they call that sin city. I mean, there's no doubt what sin we're talking about here. Okay? We know this is so in our face, in our world. And it's just kind of like, oh, I'd never go to Las Vegas we turn the internet on at home or we watch movies that there's scenes we know well and truly in there that we probably shouldn't be watching not probably we shouldn't be watching 
But we'll watch them anyway, because oh, it's a good movie. It won't hurt me. It doesn't bother me. Okay? We need to be dealing with this subject at the pulpit. We need to be dealing with this subject around the dinner table. We need to be dealing with this subject in accountability groups because our sinful nature naturally takes us there as individuals and as a society. And it is a huge problem over here. And just so you know, it's a huge problem back home. I'm not saying us Australians are any better. Trust me, we're not. Okay. If you allow yourself to follow your sinful nature, that's where you're going to end up. Or that's one area where you can end up. Your sin becoming quite prominent. When we avoid it, it doesn't go away. It actually gets worse. Okay? When we avoid this sort of sin, it doesn't go away. It gets worse. It festers, becomes habits. We become addicts behind the scenes. But it always comes out always comes out and it comes out in addictions it comes out in um, unwanted pregnancies it comes out in broken relationships divorces it comes out in rape and all other horrendous crimes that's what happens when we don't deal with a subject like this property properly anyway i'm starting a whole new sermon i'm going to keep going the second way it comes out our evil desires can be seen in idolatry and participation in demonic activities. Idolatry. We, we too often just think of idols as just little statues of Buddha. Okay? And we don't have any of those in our homes, so we're pretty safe. We had a guy preach not long back at home and he got to the topic of idols and he's going, oh, yeah, I can't really think of any and I think money can be an idol for some people and I'm just sitting thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I could list 20 off the top of my head of the things that we turn into idols in our life and, yes, money is one of them. But An idol is anything that we worship other than the God of the Bible, this Bible. Anything we place as a priority over the God of this Bible is an idol in our life. And some of us, it is the pursuit of money. Yes, some of us, it's a relationship. We put a person up on a pedestal in our life and our whole life revolves around them. It could be our wife or our husband or our kids. And we put them up there and our whole life is devoted to them. And if if anything was to happen to that idol, our life would be gone. Some of it's approval by others. Some people are just so desperate for the approval of others that they will do anything for that approval because that is their idol to be loved and wanted and accepted by others. For others, it's, uh, it's their looks. Their idol is their looks. They will spend endless amounts of money on what they are wearing, what their body shape is like, what the latest fitness videos, the latest hairstyles, and their idol is appearance. And they worship appearance more than the God of the Bible. We have idols all over the place. For some of us, it's parked in the garage. For some of us, we go and sleep in it every night. We all have idols, folks. We were born to worship. And we will worship. We all worship something. I don't care if you're a Christian, a non-Christian, an atheist. 
I don't care. You are born to worship. We, and you will worship an idol or the God of the Bible. It's an easy way to find out which one it is. I'll just follow your time and money. That is my easiest way I could find your idol in your life. I'll follow your time and your money. The quickest way. Okay? And these are not necessarily bad things. They are not bad things, but what we do is we take a good thing and we can turn it into a God thing. God thing being a small g. Okay? Sex is a great gift from God. But we can ruin it and turn it into a God thing through pornography. It becomes an addiction. Idolatry and demonic activity. Demonic activity, witchcraft, all this sort of stuff. This, this, all that is about, the, the core of it is, is a desire to manip- manipulate the spiritual world. Okay, If I say this chant, or if I cast a spell of some sort, then the spirit world, obviously the demonic side usually, will respond in this way. And it's people trying to manipulate the spirit world. You know what? Us Christians are pretty good at that too. In our own way. Man, if I pray this way, if I give enough money, if I serve enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I fast enough, if I, if I, if I, then God will. We try and manipulate God by our behaviour, by not chanting, but praying. And we sort of have this way that we think we can manipulate the spirit world, but we're just trying to manipulate God for our advantage. God doesn't work that way. Moving on. Idolatry, participation. That's the second way. So the first way was through sexual immorality. The second way is through... I just realised that you're following notes and you might be looking for the actual answers. Uh, the second way it can be seen is through false, spirit, false spirituality. Okay? And false spirituality was the two things. Trying to manipulate the demonic side of spirituality, but it's also us Christians have to be careful. We're not, we're not trying to manipulate God. Because that's false spirituality just as much as the other. Third way it can show up in our life is broken relationships. In my translation, it's uh, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your little group, and envy. Broken relationships. You look at all of those and there's nothing good in there when it comes to a relationship. We are naturally selfish. We are naturally consumed by ourselves and our own little world, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our thoughts, our wants, our likes, our interests. We don't have to work on that. Okay? We are naturally like that from as soon as we can walk and talk. It's about me. We go off to school and into the world and our world tells us it's about you. It's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's what you need. You deserve this. You've earned this. You need this. Okay. 
It's all about you. What has been so selfish and self-centred end, ending? Paul's just listed it. Okay, Hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Man, I don't even need to get out of my house to see that. Man, the people I love most. I don't even need to go past the front door. Okay, but we get into, out into the world where this is just out of control and you take it from arguments to wars. It's selfish ambition. I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. My way's better than your way. This is what it ends in. <clears throat> we can see it in our marriages. We can see it in our churches. Now, the songs I like are better than the songs you like. Uh, the volume I like is better than the volume you like. Uh, I like these books better than those books. It's all about selfish ambition. And see, the problem with relationships is they're supposed to be two-way, but we only want one way. This way. Come to me, everything. And everyone. Okay? And it leads to broken relationships. This selfish ambition. It leads to broken marriages. It leads to division between parents and kids. It leads to broken and split churches. It leads to wars, like I said, at the other extreme. Okay? We need to start realising that <clears throat> it's not that way when it's with the Holy Spirit. It's a two-way thing. It's always two ways. Okay? Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. <clears throat> no one likes being a part of a relationship that's only one way. Okay? If you've got friends in your life, and some of you will know this feeling, you just always pursue them. You always go after them. You always help them. You always give in to them. Where do you want to go to eat? Oh, wherever you want. What do you want to watch? Oh, whatever you want. You know, where do you want to go on your holidays? Wherever you want. You're just always letting them decide. And you're not so much doing it because you're just being gracious, but it's because you just don't want to deal with the argument. Because that person, you know, if they don't get their way, they're just going to argue and fight and try and talk you out of it. They'll blow up in a fit of rage or they'll just go really the other way and try to manipulate and undermine and just do it nicely. Okay, it's the same thing, just trying to get their way. As Christians, we're usually pretty good at hiding the anger, but we're not very good at hiding the manipulation and the undermining. Okay, because we still like to get our own way. And in those sort of friendships, the good thing is when it's a friendship is you can walk away. And I'd suggest you do. <laughs> Who needs friends like that, really? Uh, marriages, it's a bit harder. Okay? You don't walk away from a spouse. But these are hard issues to deal with. If you've got one spouse always giving and one spouse always taking, that's an abusive relationship. Okay? That's an abusive relationship, one always giving. It doesn't end in a healthy marriage. Okay? That's, that person, the one that's always taking, needs to repent of their sin to their partner and to God and change because you end up with broken relationships. Sorry, I've got to go faster. Uh, finally, the fourth way it can be seen 
drunkenness and wild parties. That's a bit more political correct than some of your definitions. Drunkenness and wild parties. When we allow our sinful nature to take over, we take things to excess. We lack self-control and we take things to excess. Okay? And there is no shortages of passages in the scripture that talks about the benefits and the blessings that come through feasting and celebrating. Parties are a biblical thing. I could find dozens of scriptures for that. Parties are a great thing. Okay? Celebrating is a great thing. But when we take it to excess, no, not so much. We turn it into sin. Alcohol deal with drunkenness. Here's another topic we probably don't deal with all that well in the church or in our families as a general rule. Alcohol. Okay? My conviction. Okay, let's put a big line under my conviction. From what I read in the scripture, is alcohol's okay. I don't mind having a drink every now and then. Now don't shoot me down. Okay, I'll gladly argue about it later. Okay. I don't mind the occasional drink, a glass of wine with dinner or a beer with mates. That's fine. But I have two very distinct rules that I have when I have a drink. And this comes from my convictions, not from rules in the Bible. The Bible says don't basically lose control of your thoughts or your actions, your, your tongue. Okay, Keep control. So my limit is three drinks in a day. That's my limit that I've placed on myself. Because I know any more than that, and I might start have the effects of alcohol affecting my speech, my thought, my actions, and so on. So I will never have more than three drinks in a day. Now, some of you might say, man, three drinks is huge. Maybe for you it is. If you're half the size of me physically, three drinks could tip you over the edge. Okay? Three drinks for some of you, you haven't even quenched a thirst yet. You know, like, but that's not the point because my convictions say, Mark, don't drink more than three because you might start to lack self-control. My second rule for myself is that I will never drink in front of anyone that is offended by my drinking. Never. I don't value drinking that much that I would ever put a relationship at risk. I really don't care about a glass of wine that much. And if you do, go back to point two. You've got an idol that might need dealing with. Okay? We hang out with some friends, we would never put wine on the table because we know their conviction is not to drink. And if God's given them that conviction, great. God bless them. I would never put a relationship at risk. So I have those two rules because they are my rules with self-control when it comes to alcohol. You need to make your decision based on what the Bible says, not what society says, not what religion says, not what your parents said, what the Bible says and what the convictions that the Holy Spirit leads you to. And alcohol is just one topic. Just put anything else in there that you want. Okay, wild parties, it's another thing. Again, great thing to celebrate and to feast, but when we take it to excess, what is a good thing just gets blown out into sin. Okay, we had a great night at the Ribby's place for uh, New Year's Eve. It was a lot of fun. Just people enjoying being together and celebrating a 
new number on the calendar, as Rob put it on his sermon a few weeks back. It was a great night. And the great, the greatest thing was everyone's gone home happy, friendly, sober, enjoyed themselves. And that's how fellowship should be. But when we start taking things to excess, you end up with, well, you usually end up with the first other three lots of sin. That's what you end up with. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, this stuff will not just kill you in this life. It will polish you off in the next. Okay? Not dealing with this has eternal consequences. Not dealing with this is serious stuff. It will not only wreck your life now, it can get you for eternity. It's big stuff that we need to deal with in our life. This is sin. It needs to be repented from. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be handed to Jesus. Going right on. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in love, joy, uh, sorry, this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. I'm really killing my time, so I'm not going to go into this. If you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you've heard plenty of sermons on these things. Okay? This, is what, this is what comes out of us through the Holy Spirit's power. Okay? Now, my big point this morning, my big point that I want to get across because this is what really impacted me and I hope it means something to you as well, is the biggest problems and mistakes we make as Christians, whether old or new, is we just got two lists right there. We got a list of sinful nature things and we got a list of fruit of the Spirit things and we spend our lives going, I'm going to do this and I'm going to not do this. And we make ourselves two lists that we try and live our life there. I've got to be late, I've got to be more loving, I've got to be more patient, I've got to be more kind, I've got to be more gentle, and I spend my whole life trying to do these things of the Holy Spirit. And I've got to stop this, I've got to stop sinning, I've got to stop blowing up in anger, I've got to stop looking at those websites, I've got to stop, I've got to stop. And that's what we make, we make two lists. That's not faith, folks, that's religion. Okay? That is religion, and I've got no time for it. You ever want to get a good conversation going at work? If someone ever asks you if you're religious, say, no, I can't stand religion, but I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Because I tell you what, they're not the same thing. Religion is not Christianity. We, uh, I really can't make that point strong enough. So I've just got to find where I'm up to here. I guess the biggest difference, I, you know, when I think about it between being religious and being a Christian is being religious is about what you do for God. Being a Christian is about what Christ has already done for you and me. Being Christian, sorry, being religious is about having a bunch of rules and following them. Being a Christian is about having a saviour and following him. Being, a, being religious means having a checklist of right and wrong. Being a Christian is about having a relationship. Being religious means you have to do good to make up for your sin. 
Being a Christian means you believe no amount of good works will ever work off your sin. Only Jesus dying on the cross will do that. One of the things that really jumped out to me looking at this passage last time is when we finish the list of our sinful nature, it says I have, uh, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a consequence there, folks. But if you look after the fruit of the Spirit, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say anyone living that sort of life will inherit the kingdom of God. That's why it's not a to-do list, folks. This will not get you into heaven. Okay? All it says is there is no conflict with the law. Even the non-Christians recognize these things as good. You don't have to be a Christian to say, oh, loving is good, joy is good, peace is good, kindness, gentle space. Okay? That's why it's not a to-do list. It doesn't get you into the kingdom of heaven. The other things will keep you out, but this list will not keep you in. Do not see this as a to-do list. It will not help you. It will just make your life harder. It will not make your faith stronger. It will not make your walk with God better. Okay? What we are aiming for is relationship with Christ, not to-do lists and not to-do lists. Okay? What Paul is saying is don't pursue a list. Pursue God. If we go on to the next verse, he says, those who belong in Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires. So those earlier things have been nailed to the cross, dead. Okay, we get, we're killing those things off. Okay, we're not just mowing weeds like in the lawn. Okay, you mow weeds in the lawn, they just grow back. You've got to kill them, roots and all. It's the same with our sin. You've got to kill that sin once and for all. Not just try and stop doing it, which is like mowing it, just covering it over. We've got to stop doing it. Once and for all. The way we do that is pursuing a relationship with Christ, nothing else. We pursue a relationship with Christ. We belong to Christ. By belonging to Christ, by getting to know Christ more, by being closer to Christ, understanding Christ, and building that relationship, the Holy Spirit starts to work in our life and lets us understand him a little bit more, lets us know him a little bit more. And as we know him a little bit more, we can only help but love him a bit more. And as we love him a bit more, we try and know him a bit more and pursue him a bit more. And as we pursue him some more, the Holy Spirit works in us some more, gives us a bit more understanding, helps us with our faith so we love him more. And that's where we go round and round in circles. We pursue him. He, res- he gives generously to us. And when we start pursuing that relationship, pursuing that knowledge, then, as a result of those things, those nine fruit of the Spirit will start to show up in your life. You don't have to try and do them. They will naturally show up. Jesus and sin are incompatible. Sin has no place near Jesus, cannot be near Jesus. This is not a part of Jesus. If you are near Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, you will be a long way from your sin. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit will start to show up the sinful nature, those sinful desires will naturally disappear. You don't have to walk out of here saying, I've got to get a plan to stop smoking. You don't need to worry about smoking. Okay? You need to worry about your saviour and your relationship with him. You pursue yourself with your relationship with him, I can promise that those addictions will disappear in time. 
with God's help. And you'll have a lot more success when you're doing it with God's help and out of pursuit of relationship with him than just doing, I've got to try and stop. Pursue a relationship with Jesus and let these fruit of the Spirit show up in your life as a result. Don't pursue the lists. Don't pursue the behaviours. It will only end in disappointment. I think as Christians, we've all done that, especially when we first became a Christian, early in our faith. We just look at these lists and think, man, this, is just, this isn't the word of God. It's a rule book. All these rules I've got to obey. Uh-uh. It's not. This is a manual to a great relationship with an awesome God and the huge benefits we can get from it. Man, I'm not even halfway. Uh, We'll wrap up though. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit. In some translations, it will actually say, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is an ongoing thing. This is not a once-off thing. Keep in step. We are walking with Jesus. We are walking with God, the Holy Spirit. We are walking. It's an ongoing thing. This is not a one-off. And Like I said, we love him a bit more. He lives in us, speaks to us, helps us grow a bit more. So we love him a little bit more and so on, and we go round and round. And it is a constant relationship, giving and taking. We're giving our life and we're receiving from God. Okay? It's an ongoing thing. And let us not become... Oh, sorry, if we're living by the... Let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Every part. Let us not become conceited or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. My last point quickly. Let us not become conceited. We are so bad at comparing ourselves with others. And we only ever compare up when we're comparing. We compare jobs, we compare incomes, we compare houses, we compare cars, clothes, looks, we compare gifts and talents we compare our walks with god oh they're so spiritual do you see how much they pray wish i could pray like that we 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 just always compare ourselves we always compare up we never compare down and though all that comparison leads to two things and this is for us christians not just the people out there okay we do it as christians We're just as guilty of it. And comparing always leads to two things. One, disappointment if you decide you're on the lower end and two, pride if you decide you're on the upper end. Thank goodness I don't have to live on how much money they have. Thank goodness I don't have a meaningless job like they do. Thank whatever. Okay, We compare so much and it leads to us being conceited, to irritating one another and being jealous. That is not the way, folks, of God. We need to, as best as we can, in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our youth groups, to stop doing that. If someone has more than us in whatever way you decide more is, you should be thankful for them. If you decide you have less, be thankful for what you have. And yes, There is nothing against working harder, striving, being ambitious. There's nothing sinful about that. But being envious is. 
being conceited, irritating one another. We've got to be careful, whatever it is, because as Christians we should be encouraging each other and building each other up. If you've struggled with a sin in the past or you need to help someone who might be struggling with that sin now. Okay? Not saying, oh, thank goodness I'm not like them anymore. Good luck with that. I'd, I'd hell with that. Hope you don't. We need to help each other, not out of conceit or pride, but out of love and concern, saying, yeah, I was once a hopeless sinner like that, but God helped me through it. The Holy Spirit has changed my life. Let me try and help you in the way others have helped me. Those of us who are struggling need to be humble enough to say, I'm struggling. I'm not doing too well here. I could do with some help. It's not easy. It's worthwhile, though. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for what we can learn from it. I especially want to thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came to die on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to pay for the price, the pay the price for them. I thank you that he covers all of our sins, the ones we've already committed, the ones we're going to commit. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who works in our life to, to help us understand you more, to help us to grow in you, to help us to relate to you, help us to be more in tune with that in our life, that working in our life. Lord, help us not to get caught up in making lists of things we need to do or avoid, but help us to pursue a relationship with you, to want to just be close to you and be near to you, to understand you, so that as a result of that, the things of your nature will show up in our life and that the things of our own selfish, sinful nature will disappear. Help us to encourage one another, to help one another, because we've all been there. We all struggle with this, and we will all struggle with it. So, Lord, help us help each other. And please help us to be aware of your Spirit's work in us. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.